Are you ready? Yep. Okay. Go. This is Damian Lupo with Total Control Financial, and you are listening to Jeff Smith with Vroom Vroom Beer. Sweet. That was awesome. And I was fucking with you, too. <laughs> and zoned, you didn't mess it zoned, up. Zoned. You zoned in. <laughs> okay. And I'm going to turn this off, and we're going to turn off the cameras, too. And I'll tell you why okay. later. All right. Are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved up, frenzied, and far too often scripted life? Then welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith, where he guides you down the road differently traveled by sharing unique experiences with guests who have managed to shift away from a life stuck on cruise control and veered their way into a more authentic and fulfilling one in all sorts of interesting and kind of remarkable ways. Get ready to Vroom Vroom Veer with your differently traveled road chauffeur, Jeff Smith. Jennings, thank you so much for being on Vroom Vroom Veer and welcome to the show. How's it going? Oh, it's going good. It's like 75 degrees in Florida. Love nice. it. Nice. Man, it's a little, it's like LA cold here in, in, in California. So it's like in the 60s. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> it's cold, man. It's cold, right? It's cold. It's like sweater weather, you know, and I grew up in Michigan, but it doesn't matter because I've been here since 2003, so... I'm I'm now I think it's cold when it's you know sixty something, you know. You've acclimated. I have acclimated. That's right. So let's talk a little bit about what Travis Jennings has going on at mydebtreductionblueprint.com. What's what's cooking? What's cooking? Ay ay ay. I don't know everything. Ay ay ay. It is a big question, isn't it? That is a big one, man. I I, I guess rather than. Uh, expand on it too much. I'll just kind of give you a little bit about it, man. Sure. The uh, the financial services industry, uh, by and large, has ignored the vast majority of society and um, trying to do something about it. So Wow. Well, yeah. And I think probably step one is, you know, stop spending so much money, something like that. Well, yeah. I mean, that's a good one. I would, I would take it <laughs> one step further. Okay. I would say that, you know, you know, knowledge is power. Everyone says it. That's it's right. It's more cliche than anything else. Right, but right that good thing that we've got called the internet and knowledge is more accessible than ever. And so uh, I think that it's so important that we, we don't fall victim to just letting things be the way that they are. Amen. Amen. All right. So we got a little brief overview of what you got going on for your business, but now this is Vroom Vroom Veer. So we have to tell stories. So once yeah. upon a time, there was a little boy in high school <laughs> named Travis. And one day... And you get to fill in the blank. What what happened to you? What what's your big high school story? Uh, my big high school story. Let's see. Um, I found women, and uh, my as, parents, as we I do, guess, <laughs> as men typically do. Yes, uh, I found women, and um, with without proper knowledge, I uh, I was doing things that that high school kids probably do. A little less protected than most high school kids hopefully do and right. had my uh, had my oldest son when I was 17 I was holding him at graduation so that what I would say would wow. be a very large room and a veer <laughs> wow wow holy cow so you had yeah. you had a kid in high school yeah yeah that was a uh, a kid having a kid man I, I can't right. I can't possibly put it into words how quickly you grow up when uh, right. when that's dropped on your lap it's like childhood over Here's here's this big R. <laughs> yeah. I, I, 
What's your, yeah, what's your I, oldest son's name? His name's Julian. He's he's fantastic. He's Julian. now as tall as I am. He's uh, yeah. six foot two. And, wow! Uh, just, uh, Holy cow. He's an amazing amazing guy. But yeah, I'm I'm early in my thirties, and and it is odd, 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 odd having him uh, basically a young man. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> but what yeah. was that like? Like, talk about like what sort of crap you had to go through because you <sighs> did that <laughs> because that happened. I mean. <laughs> Uh, yeah, just walk us through it. Yeah, so very literally, um, you know, I'll never forget, you know, going into your parents' room. You know, how do you have that conversation, right? How do you tell your folks that, yeah, yeah. you know, you got a girl pregnant in high right. school? So, right, right. Uh, of course, uh, being a uh, <laughs> young man, probably a little timid, I waited till they were in bed, the lights were off, walked in, <laughs> sat on the couch. <laughs> And uh, broke the news. And yeah, uh, yeah that was that was a, a very interesting night that I don't think I will ever forget. Yeah, I can imagine. That seems like a scene in a movie more than somebody's real life. Oh, it's real, man. And it, it is it's it, it it brings out feelings that uh that I don't think I've ever felt since. It's it's pretty crazy. But I mean just not to lose too much time on it, but but really try to imagine what it would be like to be a senior in high school, right? And um, and and know that you have a child coming in just a few months, and uh, so things like sitting down with your guidance counselor, uh, those conversations are a little bit different, right? <laughs> so <laughs> I got a uh, right. got a job at State Farm full time. Uh, uh-huh. They allowed me to go to school for a couple uh, couple classes, and then kind of take off and, and go be a big boy. So uh, right, thankfully, right. I, yeah, I had a great job at State Farm and, and corporate office, and did pretty good. Um, yeah, but I, I had to provide, and um, I was really good at basketball, and, and I'd like to think that I could have done something there, but had to be a big boy. Uh, but I, right. I couldn't be more more blessed because of it, you know. I, I unfortunately, uh, fortunately, and fortunately, I guess I get to look at my peers, and um, I've kind of watched them. You know, when does a typical person mature? You know, is it typically after college? Do they figure mm. it out during college? Mm. Uh, I was kind of forced in that role early, and it and I believe it gave me a tremendous advantage, and uh, and getting the wheels turning quickly. So, did your parents freak out? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. You know, bring the whole thing full circle. So, my oldest son is now 15 years old. He'll be 16 in March. Okay. And uh, you can imagine how close I keep an eye on him uh, with his free time. <laughs> As well, you should. As well, I should. So uh, there's no uh, no driving in cars with females for trips that'll take more than two minutes. I can't <laughs> you're trying to shield him from a similar fate. Is that is that what trying, you're trying to, to protect him? It's definitely from a probability standpoint. I uh, I definitely yeah. beat the odds, and I would hate to to stack that deck against him. Sure. No. Sure. No. Right. Right. Yeah. Without being overprotective, right? I, I gotta be, I mean, I'll do my best, but, um, no, I have, I have high hopes for him. So I, I would say that I'm probably a little harder on him than I should, but, but I do, I do get his permission. I told him that if he wants to be a regular guy, he's welcome. But if he wants to push himself that I can guide him. So he, he's, he's great, man. I couldn't have a better kid. That's awesome. So, yeah. okay. So you survived this somehow, right? <laughs> I got a little apartment, had a job, uh, realized that, you know, State Farm wasn't wasn't going to be my thing for the rest of my life, right? I, I'm, I'm, sure. I'm ambitious, even even with that situation over my head. So I um, had to do what I had to do. So I joined the Air Force, and it you took me to— You joined the Air Force? Really? Yeah. 
I was in the Air Force 20 years. I didn't. I did not do 20 years, man. I couldn't do it. Well, well that's okay. You know, not everybody does 20 years. I did a term. So, I, yeah, I went through. My older brother was in the air, uh, the army. He went to Hawaii, and um, so took the test, qualified for you know any job that I wanted to, and uh, so it was between the Air Force and the Army. The Army said they could send me to Hawaii, give me a big bonus, but Hawaii, uh, at the time at least, it, I don't know if it's still this way or not, but they were they were actively deploying uh, pretty often. So right. I decided that I would rather. Uh, the Air Force guy, man, I, I don't remember his name, but my gosh, if I could send him a Christmas card, I would. The uh, He told me the best sales pitch I've ever got. He yeah. said, listen, I know you, you want to go to Hawaii. I know that sounds great, but what if I could guarantee that if you go overseas and you end up in a desert, you have air conditioning and you don't even have to carry a gun because you're that far away from the front lines? I said, sign me up. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Sure. Yeah. So they put me on a satellite with with uh, you know working on technology and muck servers, and nice. so they didn't think I needed weapons. And and of course we had to air condition the the equipment, so I was able to always have AC. There you go. <laughs> so let's get a little bit geeky. So you were enlisted, right? Yep, enlisted. And what was your what was your AFSC? I don't remember the number, but but essentially what would happen is we would pull the satellite feed out of the sky into the satellite dish, and then that satellite dish would push the data through the, what we call a MUX server. It's right. just a big box with a bunch of lights. And so I yeah. was in charge of making sure that the signal turned into uh, voice or data. And so so were you an operator or a maintenance guy? Uh, we all, So on deployments, there would only be two of us. And so we had to do all of it. Wow. My goodness. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah, wasn't bad. But and and it, what time frame was this? <sighs> when was this? This was two thousand and one. Oh, okay. Five. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to put myself. Where was I? Interesting. Wow. And yeah, where that, where so, did you end up going? So I went to uh, San Antonio for tech uh, training, and right. then I went to tech school at Biloxi, Mississippi, before Hurricane Katrina kind of messed that city up. Right. And uh, I was actually in the barracks when we caught Saddam. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. Ah, nice. Yeah, so the did, place was jumping. Did you, ever, uh, did you ever end up deploying? You did. No, it was pretty. No, so I, I uh, made a tactical decision to kind of transfer uh, a couple years into it over to the Air National Guard. Um, okay. okay. To a reserve capacity. And so my, all my deployments were with hurricanes. So in Florida, we get lots of hurricanes. Right, right. And. Uh, so it would be two to four of us and an entire battalion of Marines. So they would send us out and, and all of the Marine, <laughs> all of the logic and military, they decided that it would be best if they put us ahead of the hurricane. <laughs> so they would deploy us, they'd put us in Humvees and, and, you know, what do you call those deuce and a halves? Yeah. And, uh, the hurricane would fly over our heads and then we would just pop up and set up shop opposed to just following the hurricane in the trucks. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So we would set up satellites. So you're there just in time to get the full brunt of the hurricane. <laughs> yeah, literally. Literally, they'd put us in like a community college or something, and then the hurricane would fly over, and the walls would be shaking. Wow. And then, uh, in the morning, yeah, yeah. we'd do what we got to do. But it was, I will tell you, Air Force has its advantages. I don't know if, yeah, if you remember the Marine PT gear. So when they're off duty, kind of what they have to wear. Yeah. Uh, being in the Air Force, it was pretty lax. Oh, <laughs> Dude, I was in the Air Force 20 years. I know. <laughs> I made a good choice on that one. Yes, yes. I think, you know, if, if you want to have it nice and you can get in, the Air Force is the way to go, 
Right. It just depends on, you know, what sort of personality, I think, you know, because Marines are very much, they want to be on the front lines, you know. The Army folks, mostly, they want to be out there, you know, with boots on ground and fighting. Air Force dudes are probably more like, yeah, I'd rather be over here with using my brain. (laughs) Exactly. Or flying a plane, right? And I didn't want to fly a plane. No, because what else would we possibly do? Right. Okay, so you're in the Air Force for a spell, and and what did you do when you got out? So, I guess... Oh, you were in the Air Guard, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, while I was in, I was trying to get my schooling done with the kid and doing everything else. But uh, So I I went into into the Air Force thinking that I would do the whole contractor thing when I came out, you know? Uh, Go over to CENTCOM in Tampa and, you know, knock down $90,000 a year and be happy and everything would be great. I learned that I like technology, but but not as a job, not as a full-time job. Right, good call. Uh, went, (laughs) Went into USF, which is the college in Tampa, and I uh, thought I wanted to do engineering, quickly learned that I didn't like that. And okay. uh, I found my passion in economics. Interesting. And uh, yeah, so while I was there, my older brother was into real estate. So he had a title company and a mortgage company and a realty company. And uh, I was like, man, well, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I could build a house. He said, well, why do you think you can build a house? I was like, because it's just babysitting people, right? He's like, uh, <laughs> I guess. That's I was like, look, great. man, I'll sell the house, I'll hire a contractor, and they'll guide us through the first couple. Okay. And uh, so we started a company building custom homes. And uh, yeah, I, I had a knack. So looking at, I'm still in the military. I'm, I've switched over to reserve status. I'm, I'm doing it on a part time basis in the military, going to school, got a kid, starting a construction company. And you're building uh, homes. Okay. Building homes. So I had to find like a different differentiating edge. So my creativity brought me an idea, a little bit of a play on words, but it is uh, but it worked. Right. So when you think of home builders, right, when, when you say, hey, I wanna, I'm looking to buy in this house, what's the price per square foot? Well, the price per square foot is based on the condition space, which is obviously smaller than the total square footage. Right. So uh, we, we put out marketing campaigns and we put out, uh, you know, signs and such that marketed our, our custom homes at $80 a square foot. Now, the price was about the same as everyone else, but we based the $80 on the total square footage. And when they came in to see us, we told them and all that stuff. Uh, is it on the fringe of, of bait and switch? I guess, you know, maybe a little bit, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, 19, 20 years old, what do you want? I, I did what I can. <laughs> hey, at least you admit it now. You're like, oh, yeah. you mean that's not right? <laughs> <laughs> All the customers were happy. Nobody was nobody was unhappy. Right. Hey, you got them in the door. Got them in the door. So so one of my clients, very very early, it was like number three or four house that we were got under contract and we we're we we're going to build was uh, a financial planner. And the guy always seemed to be hanging around the office or playing golf or or you know in his boat. And uh, <laughs> so he's like, hey, uh, I like this guy's life. Man, what does this guy do? Didn't didn't seem to have a lot of friends, <laughs> but but for some reason he had like four of them. So this financial advisor guy seems like he has a really cool job. In other words, yeah, yeah, it seemed like a like a great great life, great lifestyle. So, did you have to go to school to be a financial advisor? Well, I was already in school, right? So I was okay. studying economics at USF, oh, right. and uh, just you know, I just found you know macro is where I. Got excited and 
then I met him, and it all just kind of kind of worked out. I know that you've got a, a lot of your literature kind of speaks to to hearing your calling, uh, hearing when 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 those those things come, and uh, I think that one was screaming at me pretty loud. Oh, cool! So you just kind of felt good, huh? I felt good, man. I felt good, and and it and it worked out. You know, definitely was was a challenge. I don't think that he gave me the easiest route into the industry, but uh, but I'm definitely blessed because of it. He made it very challenging. So, what did you end up doing as a financial advisor to begin with? What did- so the first the first couple of years in the industry, basically, he gave me all of the really really crappy case the hard situations. Okay. And uh, looking back on it, I think it's pretty neat. I, I, I think that the reason, I say I think, he's told me that, but but the reason why he put me in that position was he wanted me to see uh, how important it was that the financial decisions that we make for people and, and then the recommendations, that they matter. Because, you know, oh, yeah. what he had me designing people out of were, you know, poor recommendations from other advisors. Okay. So, yeah, a lot of that, a lot of case design uh, on <laughs> a lot of case. There's a lot of people. So imagine the financial industry. Uh, we get paid a portion of the money that we move or manage. So naturally, if a client has a million dollars, then say we're charging them 1%, well, we would get $10,000 a year. Right. If you look at a client who only has, say, $100,000, well, then we're only getting $1,000 a year. Right. And so it, it, the thing that, that kind of stuck with me early and then it stuck with me, you know, my, my latest veer, uh, which we'll, I'm sure we'll cover a bit more later. But, sure. but the big thing that I saw very early on was that all the good advisors seemed to go upstream. And so when I was getting into the industry and I could see that I had a knack for it, uh, I, and naturally, I, I just wanted to keep learning, and I wanted to see, you know, what did it take to get a bigger client the next time, right? And okay. uh, and that drove me. And and knowledge, knowledge to knowledge was how I separated myself and how I differentiated myself in the industry. Unfortunately, you know, if I went in the traditional approach, if you wanted to be an advisor, you'd get a job at a bank or Edward Jones or Charles Schwab, and you'd go sit in their office, right? And then right. clients would come in, and they'd sit down in front of you, and you would be told what you're allowed to offer and, and do that. <laughs> no, no, very no, we literally. We all kind of know. Yeah, yeah. We've seen like Wolf of Wall Street, right? Oh, man. that That's a very sick movie, but but there's a lot of stuff they hit right on the head. Right. It was less about – it was more about the churn, right, and, uh, and charging commissions based on, you know – Charging commissions. <laughs> Based on, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if that's what you got into or if, if your situation was different. No. So I, I think I have to address that, right, just for the sake of keeping the story clear. Yeah. Uh, Wolf on Wall Street was dealing in a, in a different side of the world, right? So penny stocks. When you get into penny stocks, you're, you're dealing in extreme amounts of risk. And oh, okay. so back in the day, they were able to charge what ever they wanted as far as commissions go because it was kind of like if you wanted to buy into my company I kind of held, held all the marbles right like if I told you it would be $50,000 to get 5% stake like what would you say I mean you you have no leverage you have no pull right. and so you kind of had to deal with what you had and so back then they could get away with that crap wow um, the, the laws have changed quite a bit yeah. but it's still still very bad but but I just want to be crystal clear for those that aren't in the know that have watched that movie that 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 industry is still bad but it isn't quite that bad (laughs) it's a little bit more regulated now 
a, a little bit, and, and of course, regulation brings a whole other set of issues, but sure. nonetheless. Right. So, yeah, no, I was involved very literally. So what he was doing is he was working with old, wealthy people. Okay. And, uh, you know, he, he kind of liked to target 500000 to a million. And so if if we think about where are we going to find somebody that has $500,000 to a million, we look at our society. So we have the younger folk who don't have as many years on this earth to accumulate wealth. Furthermore, they have technology which markets to them all day long every day. And then you have the older folk who come from a different time that saved a bit more and they've been on this earth a little longer. So naturally, if you want to go find money, you seem to to have to either go find the old wealthy people or the business people. Right. Okay. And he decided okay. that he wanted to market to the older folk. Okay. So I was designing cases for people who were, say, about to retire or had already retired and they had X amount of dollars and they had an income need of whatever it was. And so okay. you got it's kind of like putting a, a puzzle together. They had their pieces all over and, and however I could reshape that to improve their life, that's, that's essentially what I've always done my whole career, but that's where I focused the first couple of years. Okay. All right. Yeah, that, that sounds pretty traditional financial advisor. Like, you've got this big pile of money, and now you don't want to work anymore. How do I make this pile of money make me some income? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and I very quickly learned that there is three parties involved in that decision. There okay. is the client, there is the advisor, and then there is the person that, uh, I say, say person, it should be the company, the, the custodian. Right. Or insurance company or whoever that money's gonna be with. Right, right. And right, right. a very valuable lesson is there is only one hundred pennies in that dollar. And so when you look into what is the problem <laughs> in the industry, the yeah. problem in the industry is well, if the advisor wants to get paid extra, yeah. Well, that money has to come from somewhere. So do you think you're taking it out of the insurance carrier's pocket or do you think you're taking it out of the client's pocket? Probably the client, right? Probably the client, right? Because the insurance company, I haven't heard of many insurance companies losing, right? Or, right. or no, they don't like that. <laughs> they don't like that. They don't they do like a lot that. of stuff to prevent that from happening. Right, right, right. Yes. Well, that was yeah. one of one of my um, key lessons somewhere along the road is, is the importance of uh, focusing on keeping money instead of making money sometimes. Absolutely. It's a very, very good one. And that's uh, when we get to the end of this conversation, that's kind of what I'm focused on now. Oh, really? Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So when you talk about debt reduction and tax reduction, it's more about, you know, those are bills that if you don't have to pay, those are dollars you get to keep. Amen. And I don't know of any advisors that really focus on that. Right, right, right. Yeah. And you need to. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know if you know, well, obviously, but I am uh, just getting ready to make a move out of California, probably the most taxed state to uh, Nevada. <laughs> nice. So I'm doing a tax reduction on myself. There you go. That's yeah. a good one, man. I know. California's out of control. I think They're there are, are segments of your population that pay over 50%. I know. It's so nuts. And, uh, and I just started doing uh, options for fun. And, uh, and, you know, usually when I was doing ordinary stock buys, I was buy and hold and long term. So I didn't really worry about capital gains that much. You know, it comes up, but it's no big deal, right? Yep. But when you do options, everything, a lot, I would say more than 80% is all short term gains if you have gains. Yep. 
and California just heaps. They're like, oh, that's 7% ours. Oh, that's... <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> Every stinking trans... I'm right. No way. So I'm like, put the brakes on that until I get out of California. <laughs> I'm moving to Nevada so that I can trade options for fun. Yes, Correct. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. Well, you're in Florida, and, and Florida is one of those uh, favorable tax states as well, right? Absolutely, man. We get the weather of Florida. We just have to add the hurricanes and right. subtract the taxes. Well, I lived in uh, I lived in Florida, in uh, um, actually Lower Alabama. I was in Panama City um, <laughs> for about four years, and uh, and I had my share of hurricanes. So I know I know what you went through there. So. So okay, so moving on. Um, so you you hang out and you work with your financial advisor buddy, and you help the wealthy for a while, and then yeah, you, now we're then, at now we're at a new turning point. <laughs> yeah, so he kind of threw me into the fire. He made it he made it really challenging. I don't know if he thought I would actually kind of tough through it, um, but I did. I toughed through it, and then you know when he saw what I was becoming, he. Uh, he he did some things that that he you know I, I think he would probably regret and uh, kind of forced the decision on me and and I left. Okay. And so I uh, left and, and ran out on my own and uh, that was a scary scary thing. You know, it is. That's very scary. <laughs> especially when you're marketing to to seniors and you're you know a young twenty something year old uh, with a baby face. <laughs> right. <laughs> and a baby of your uh, yeah. own. Yeah. Yeah, they, yeah. So I wasn't the traditional guy, right? You know, the, I don't know if you've heard this before, but the average age of the financial advisor right now is fifty-seven years old. No, that makes sense. That's crazy talk to me because it I is. think that most people lean on their advisor, thinking that they're going to be there for them, right? Like over the long haul. <laughs> right, right. No matter what your age is, if your if your advisor is fifty-seven years old, like how you know, long is he really going to be there for? <laughs> It's that's true. not a conversation coming up in their ads, though. I, no. I think that when they're leaving yeah. out. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, I yeah, never really is. thought about it. It, it. You know, I knew that, but when you think about it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I guess if you're dealing with people in their 60s and 70s, somebody that's 57 seems young. That's the only <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I think you're onto something there because the <laughs> right. reality is, I mean, aren't those the only people really getting service with true financial planning? I mean, there's a lot of interest. A lot running around selling policies and such to people, but but actual true financial planning that that's not really handed out very often, right? To everybody else, right? Right. Okay. So yeah, I jumped out on my own. Um, what I had learned from life at that point was that the more that you know, the better you are, right? And I was still climbing that 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 scale, trying to to have only millionaire clients because that is what the stereotypical goal is of an advisor, right? Because all of your meetings are meaningful and the person has a million bucks and basically every time you sit with someone you've got commissions coming of you know anywhere from 10 to a hundred thousand dollars in some case most cases actually right right yeah so uh yeah i learned learned a whole lot of stuff man i guess having this conversation is kind of bringing back some stuff so when i think of the construction uh how i priced the homes uh, I, I guess my financial planning angle was was a little different as well. Uh, I didn't really focus on the investments. I focused my knowledge suite around things that other people don't talk about. Okay. And so I, I got into taxes pretty heavily. Um, shoot, in the state of Florida, man, there's 
imagine this. I have a client. They got four and a half million bucks, and they needed to go to the nursing home. They were sick. Right. Uh, <clears throat> so in Florida, it cost about $75,000 a year to keep someone in a nursing home. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Holy it God. is. It is. Here's a fun one for the radio. Where do you think the most expensive state in the country is to go into the nursing home? It's got to be Florida because that's where everybody goes. No, come on. California. If I gave 49 guesses, you wouldn't get it right. Um, Supply and demand. Who do you know that wants to retire, go to the nursing home in Alaska? Uh, nobody. nobody. <laughs> so guess what they charge? Whatever they want. <laughs> Wow, you're right. Okay, all right. Yeah, supply and demand, man. That is that is the most expensive state in the country. So anyways, wow. back to that client. So the client comes to me and goes, hey, I got all this money with you. That's great, but I got to go to the nursing home. What do you want to do? I said, oh, great, no problem. I actually learned how in the state of Florida we can protect all of that money and we can have the government pick the bill up. And she said, well, I don't want a handout. I said, no, it's not a handout. It's actually a part of your Social Security taxes you've been paying your entire career. Right. Okay. Even cool. paying into it. It's there. That's what it's, it's for. Yours. But it's for lear- you. learning stuff like that, when you can share that story with somebody who's wealthy, it, it, it means something. Right. And no, if you talk no, to no. most traditional financial advisors, they kind of only talk about stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and investments. Right. Yeah. Sure. Not avoiding yeah. costs that you'd otherwise just pay because you're rich. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> Good idea. I've just been running around learning a bunch of really cool, weird stuff, man, and uh, and that's kind of what I'm doing now. So I, you know, I did that. I got to the point where all my meetings were wealthy people, and um, I had this. I'll, I'll never, never forget this for the, my entire life. This is right up there with the story when I told my father about uh, what I did at, at the age of 16. <laughs> yeah. So um, <laughs> in the same week, I had three things happen. Three things. So number one, when you're marketing for people, you don't get every rich person that you want, right? You get some some people that don't quite have a million bucks that kind of slip through the filters and they show up in your office. Okay. I had a lady who was like 73 years old. She had $100,000 to her name and she needed like $45,000 a year to live on. Okay. Her social security was... No. Numbers are off a little bit. Basically, the amount of money that she had was only going to survive another two to three years. Right, right. So what do you do for somebody who's no longer working, too old to re-enter the workforce, and doesn't have enough money? Mm. So the, the normal, and this is sad, and I'm sorry to even tell the story, but it's true. The normal response in that situation, almost 100% of the time, if you look at their investments, you say, it's looking great. If you ever need anything, give me a call and you walk them out. Mm, wow. I hadn't had to do that in a while. So I, I you know, that, that impulse came. I, I talked her through the best that I could. I, I spent a lot of time. I coached her. I, I did everything that I could, but there was nothing that I could do. Right. So that one really was weighing on my chest. That same day, I had a client come in. They have $5 million with me. They only made, only made 10% that year. Only. So the guy made $500,000 on his investments, and he had the nerve to complain. Wow. So <laughs> He didn't have to do anything. He made $500,000, and he was, he was upset at you. He was upset at me because his neighbor made twelve. <laughs> 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 he 
his neighbor made 12. Wow. I was so irritated. I mean, wow. mind you, I'm coming off the heels of that other conversation. I'm right. like, oh my gosh, this is not what I want to do for the rest of my life. Wow. Um, yeah. and, and then I attended um, a conference just a couple of days later where they explained this concept that uh, basically shows you how to create money out of thin air. Oh, wow. And, uh, I like and it's exclusive. You got to have $5 million or more to even enter the conversation. Okay. And so then I would say, Jeff, why would you have to have $5 million to be able to create money out of thin air? Well, you're not really creating money out of thin air, right? You're no, using you are. Pro- it's, it's pretty pretty close to it. <laughs> okay. Tell so me. what would the $5 know. million barrier have to do with anything? Would that... Well, it would probably would be- mean that, you know, you want to charge me some sort of percentage on that $5 million. What if it was just to keep everybody else out? Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Understood. That was it, man. I saw those three things happen in the same week, and I was like, that's it. I'm changing my life. I'm not doing this crap anymore. I'm not going to do it. Just, just not. Wow. So I, I kind of went into hibernation for a little bit of time. Uh, I have two rooms at my office and two rooms at my house that are nothing but whiteboards. I'm a bit of a mad scientist. So I... <laughs> I started I pouring, I pouring my brain. I am 100% sincere on that. Eight foot, eight foot tall in every single, every wall of the room. So that's how you think. That's how I think. I have to get it out and see it and visualize it and kind of manipulate it from there. So my goal was, how can I still maintain my quality of life because I do like the comfort that money brings. Oh, obviously. Uh, but how do I make more of an impact on the world? And yeah. and what I came up with was people that have no financial sense. It's not like it's once or twice. It's their entire life. Right. And so right, right, right. what I saw was that the people that had better financial sense were able to amass wealth and, and have a good life. And the people that didn't kind of struggled. And so I wanted right. to come up with a way to kind of reach back into time and help these people younger in life so that when they reach retirement, they can have a million bucks and they can interview whichever advisor they want to interview. Right. Ah, good idea. Right. Yeah. So then came the challenge of, well, how on earth do I communicate to these people? Because I, I don't, I mean, granted, I'm still very young and, I, and I'm, I'm the same age as most of them, but I don't understand how they think because I had a kid at 17 and I'm, you know, I right. walk this really weird road. No, right, 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 right. You're having a relate, yeah. hard to relate kind of situation. Absolutely. And so (laughs) what I came up with was I took the financial planning strategies that I'd learned. I took some common sense practicality. So I took my background in technology with the Air Force. And uh, and what I what I thought was the 401k. Did you know that that was created in 1980? No. So it was created in 1980. And today it's got over twenty four trillion dollars. In 401k accounts. Wow. Now, I can't obviously jump on a podcast and start giving financial advice, but I just want to have an open dialogue. Sure. So if they were able to go from zero to $24 trillion in 36 years, it's got to be pretty good. There's something about it that's great. So when I analyze it from my financial planning brain, the investment selection inside of it are limited. Right. The costs are a little higher than what I would like to see. Yes. If they need their money before they reach 59 and a half, they get taxed and penalized. Right. So there's next to no liquidity. And well, let me ask you, Jeff, do you think taxes are going to go up or down by the time you retire? 
I think they're probably going to go up, Travis. I think I've heard that 100% of the time. <laughs> <laughs> it, it seems that they have every year. Yeah, I mean, so yeah. let's just use our common sense and go, okay, so if we believe that to be true, why would we take the tax exemption today so that we can pay taxes in the future? Yeah, that doesn't make a whole lot of math. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but yeah. we still have the reality that it was it, it grew, this $24 billion grew at a rate faster than anything ever. I've never seen anything do that before. It has to be the top investment platform in the history of mankind. I, I can't imagine something have been better than that. So what is it about the 401k that's so great? What I came up with was that it required little to no thought right. and maintenance. It's all automated. You show up to work. They say, this is what we're doing. You make the decision, and that's it. You don't touch it. You don't see it. Right, right, right. You just so I realized say that yes, yeah. That's it, man. Yeah. You make your choice, you move on. Right. And so what I realized is that I had to create a system that was automated. It took the burden of thinking and maintenance off of them. And that's what I did, man. I've created a couple different companies based around those principles. Took a decade worth of knowledge, infused it with some automation and technology, and and we redirected our target audience instead of trying to chase current wealthy people and show off with dog and pony shows and fancy dinners and expensive marketing and all of that stuff. Yeah. Well, what if I just sent those dollars to marketing to everyone else? And if I could create my future client, that would be a win-win, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so how do you that do sounds that? sounds awesome, right? Yeah, it how sounds do you do that? sweet. You're like, dang, that's great. That's awesome. <laughs> Man, I tell you what, this has been the hardest thing I've ever done in I my can life. I imagine, yeah, because you've got oh. some serious hurdles to, to overcome there. So basically, Man, you're I, taking on the challenge of educating everyone. But not just educating, right? Because the internet can educate. Yeah. We have to not only educate, but we have to do it in a way that they don't go, Groan. <laughs> Gross. I don't want to do this. Right. Have you seen the new Citibank commercials? No. Oh my heaven, it's so awesome. <laughs> it's so awesome. So they've got this series of marketing commercials that they're doing right now, and I encourage everybody to go to uh, their, their website and uh, just take, take a look. They're, they're so awesome. So, for example, video opens. There's an old lady sitting there. Not an old lady. Yeah, she's like you know, 40 years old or something. Then it goes, all right, you have two choices. You can tell your child that you've saved nothing for college, or you could stand up on this table and dance. Which one would you like to do? And then it breaks away, and it comes back, the old lady's dancing on the table. Forty's <laughs> not old, damn it. No, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. They've got a couple different ones, and I was still sorting out my head which one I wanted to talk I'm about. But they're banging on the fact that nobody wants to talk about their finances. Right. No, and I then you it. take that one step further, and I had a decade of experience, and that's all fine and dandy, but... It's all with, with older people, you know, seniors, 60, 70, 80, okay. 90, right. old people. And so if that were the case, what I didn't realize is that those people were familiar with the conversation because they've been retired. And everybody hits you up once you retire because they assume you have money. Right. Well, that's true. So yeah. how do you have that conversation with someone who's never had that conversation? Right. That's true. That's, that's, that's that a, has been hard. That's a tough pill that you're trying to sell there, dude. Oh, I know. And then you're talking about, you know, commissions used to be ten to a hundred thousand dollars. Now we're talking like a couple hundred bucks to a thousand. <laughs> like so you need more small. volume basically. Oh yeah. No, I can't do it unless it's volume based. And because the technology's there, then I don't have to spend as much time on every individual case. Right. So I can see and help more people in the same amount of time. 
Um, but obviously it's still, there's no way that you can compensate for that amount of money. So I'm definitely taking a huge pay cut in the process and have taken a huge pay cut. But, uh, but I but think the world needs better it. though about oh, what I feel you're great. doing, right? <laughs> oh, for sure. No, it's well, awesome. The thing is, this is, this is, um, you know, something that we all need to do, you know, is get honest and real about what, you know, reducing debt, um, figuring out, uh, how to minimize our tax burden and then, and then figuring out how to keep money on a regular basis and not just live paycheck to paycheck. You know, um, that's yep. a tall order because, you know, you've got TV and the internet working against you 24 seven, 24 seven, man, marketing to us on our phones, yeah, on our everything, everything. So if somebody shows up at, wait a minute, let me make sure I get it right. My debt reduction blueprint.com. What do they see? Uh, well, they see a website that is trying to tell them to just take a deep breath, give us 15 minutes and let me actually show you show you what we can do. Uh, what that system is, right, and it's, it's a system. Okay. And so what the system is designed to do is it takes your, your debts, right? We want to create wealth while eliminating debts. Right. Um, there's people out there that, I mean, let's put it all out on the table, right? There's people out there that teach personal finance. But when they teach personal finance, they made a conscious business decision to sell self-help books, to sell the literature, to sell the packets, because if right. they do it that way, they get paid up front. And whether you follow through or don't, they're okay. Their business they, is just They've already fine. been paid. Yeah, right. Right. So what I did is I created a system, and, and this will probably come bite me in the butt one day, but thankfully I'm pretty good with money. I, I think I'll be all right. Um, I literally put the success of that company and, the, and those systems and all the money that I've put into it, I rested it on the fact that I believe that the system will carry people all the way where I'm telling them it'll take them to. So the process, how it works is, is you put in your income, your assets, and your debts. We don't need account numbers. We don't need social security numbers. We don't need anything personal like that. Right. We just need to understand just your, some numbers, your right. profile. Right. Just right. give us your profile. That profile hits our software. Software generates a report. And then the client jumps on a webinar. We share with them the report. We show them what happens if they use the exact same dollars that they're currently using in a different way. So somebody has a student loan, a credit card, a house, and a car loan. Of those debts, Jeff, which one do people typically pay a little extra to try to pay? So the answer to that would be most folks would say credit cards. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. Everybody sees that high interest rate, and they're like, "Well, I'd like to get that knocked out, so I'll contribute a little extra." Yeah, good idea. <laughs> or just pay it all so, off, one or the other. Yeah, if you could afford it, man. I think the reality, though, is, and what I've learned um, very painfully is, is that most people, I had really been disconnected and dealing with the, the clientele that I was dealing with and making what I was making. I, I really lost touch of kind of what what life really is for most most of America. Right. So what most people typically do is they'll just pay a couple extra hundred bucks on their account if they can afford it because that's typically all the extra money that they have. Right. What they don't realize is just using that couple extra hundred dollars in a different way produce, produces extremely better results. Okay. It also is how we're able to kind of put this automation process together. All right. Let's just say that a family was overpaying on their one credit card by 250 bucks. 
Okay. Well, if you were able to just store that money off to the side, put it into a side account or an investment account for extra benefits, well, then you're able to save up enough money to pay off that credit card. And if an emergency pops up in the meantime, what you're doing is you're conditioning yourself that you save first. And when it's time to borrow, you borrow from yourself. Right. So essentially, that's what we teach. Now, I know Dave Ramsey would say that that's not the way he would suggest that he does. He thinks you should pile all the money directly into the debts. But I'm of the opinion that there's some practicality that we have to tolerate, right? Right, Because I'm not selling a book. I need them to actually go through with it and actually become wealthy and actually get out of the problems that they're in. Right. Because I don't make any money unless they actually stick with us. Right. (laughs) So you're teaching through doing almost. Oh, absolutely teaching through doing. I mean, in most cases, if people have like credit card debts, we're able to get the first couple debts knocked out in the first six months or so. Oh, that's great. And and just think through what that does for somebody. That's huge. Knocking out a credit card and then that payment that they used to make to that credit card. There's most people. Now, right? Yeah, that's right. Add that to the automation. Add right. that to your savings. Right, You're right. already Pay accustomed yourself. to paying it. Right. Pay yourself. Pay yourself instead of the bank, baby. <laughs> That's right, man. That's a really that good idea. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's not rocket science, and it's not something that I created like out of thin air. I just took the same stuff I had been using for uh, for the wealthy clients, mm. and I just said, you know, let's redesign this and let's make it help work for the rest of America. That's amazing. That's great. Yeah, I, I love Thanks. this plan. <laughs> <laughs> you got to see the results, man. I, I actually um, I grew up in Miami. I moved to Tampa with the uh, with the Air Force. Right. And uh, when Julian, my oldest, when he hit seventh grade, there were some kids smoking weed at the bus stop. So I said, all right, it's time to move. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, don't come to California if you don't want to see people smoking weed at the bus stop. I I just think seventh grade's a little early. (laughs) It's totally (laughs) too early. You're right. Oh, man. So I actually moved out on a farm. And so I I have a legitimate farm. I have 70 chickens. I have 11 cows. (laughs) I have a pig. That's great. I got three chest freezers full of animals. And and I got a garden and all that cool stuff. But the point of me telling you this is, um, you know, I've been able to help a lot of really cool people. I have a a guy that helps out around the farm. I'm, I'm I don't think you would think that I would be a farmer, right, with that right, background. Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, the chicken kind of shows up in the fridge. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but it was your chicken. Yeah. But it was my chicken, man. But, but you know, I, I, I tell this story, and, and he's, he's given me permission to tell the story, but he, um, he's a fantastic guy. And, and unfortunately, when you're helping out with somebody around the property, I, I can only pay you so much money, right? I mean, I'm not going to give you $90,000. Right, and that just wouldn't be going to make any sense. Right, but in that situation, whatever I'm paying him and whatever you know they're making as a family, it is incredibly difficult to to survive on that kind of money and yeah. actually save. Yeah, because the way that society has manipulated the, the commerce is rather than saying, "Hey, give me a thousand dollars for the new iPhone," they say, "Oh man, no problem, twenty bucks a month extra, and we'll sign you up on a you know however many year contract." Right. At the end of the day, you're getting raked over the coals. They just totally. If they can consume all of your income, how do you ever save? And how do you ever right. retire? Right. And so the reason I, I kind of brought up my buddy that helps out on the farm is, you know, they were overpaying on a card by 250 bucks, and it put them in a situation by saving all of the money once they were paying off their debts. So yeah. as debts were paid off, they were saving those payments. Yeah. When they hit retirement, they're projected to have like, you know, over $600,000. Nice. 
and it's not rocket science. It's not like I'm saying it's a big complicated thing. It's very right. easy. Take right. the payments, the debts that we can actually pay off. Let's get those paid off. Yeah. How much money is that? Is it 1500 bucks? Well, how much money can you save if you're saving $1,500 from now until 66 years old? That'd be a lot of money. A lot of money. That'd be a lot of People money. People are like skeptical. And the skeptical. key there is, is to, to make sure that you get the habits that keep you out of debt. There you go. Right? That Just, is the truth. <laughs> How many people pay off a credit card and then they're right back in debt? All of them. <laughs> All of them. Maybe. I want to strangle someone when they're like, oh, I just went through debt consolidation. I'm like, awesome. Have and you got another credit card yet? And they're like, oh, yeah, I just got my first one. Yeah. Like, Man, what See, are you so doing? I don't know about you, but like my wife and I, we get excited to use our credit card because we get points. <laughs> Right, and we pay yeah. it. We pay off the balance every month, but we really like those points. <laughs> For sure, the points are great if you're disciplined enough to pay it off. Right, exactly. So you want to you want to work the system to your advantage. Absolutely, this isn't anything that people can't do on their own. It's just who's running around teaching this stuff. It's not yeah. the banker. Banker talks about bank accounts. The investment Especially, guy talks yeah. about investment accounts. Right, right, right. And and especially uh, with your system, it sounds like most of it's for free. Oh, it's all for free. Literally. I mean, think about it. If we're going to set you up an account, right? you, you have to have a couple things. You have to have a written plan. Right. Because how do you do anything without a written plan? You can't build a house without a written plan. You can't do much of anything. You got to also have a bank. You have to have a place that's yours, your money, right. that you go to your when you bank. need to get something. Your bank. Mm-hmm. And the third thing that I believe that you need to have is it needs to be automated because the human error is real. Mm. Oh, yeah. Human emotion, <laughs> we make some dumb decisions. Oh, yeah. And we got we to gotta prevent around that. So people say, Travis, well, what's in it for you then if you're giving all of this stuff away? Well, just think logically for a second. You could use your bank and make it a savings account, right? And, right. and in that situation, if you choose to use a savings account, awesome, great. Do it. That's awesome. Right. I hope you have the strength to automate it and do it yourself. Right. But you're not going to get the automation. Now, there are investment accounts that operate like a 401k. They automate the whole thing for you. Now, if you choose one of those accounts, when we set up the account, they pay me a referral fee. That okay. doesn't come out of your money. Right. So essentially, I'm getting paid. It just isn't coming out of your pocket. Oh, so you're getting paid from the bank. Yeah, the, whichever investment vehicle that we set up, whichever one is appropriate okay, for right, your right. situation. Some right. people use life insurance. Some people use Vanguard. Some people right, right. use whatever. Right. Okay. Just depends on your situation. Oh, nice. But people people have a really hard time wrapping their head around that because everyone else in this industry is like trying to score as many dollars as possible. Right. right. I literally have a guy that lives right around the corner from the office. He's been into the office three, three times over the last two weeks. He did. He's using a savings account. He wants to do it his own. And I'm like, all right, no problem. But he wants to pay me. I'm like, dude, I don't need your money. I don't even have like, I don't have a way to accept your money. I don't, I don't accept Visa credit cards. Like, <laughs> That's like, not how I do it. Yeah. I'm like, dude, I'll, I'll help you. He goes, oh, but I don't, I don't want to sign anything. I'm, I, I don't care. I'm not asking you to sign anything. I'll, <laughs> I'll coach you through it. <laughs> but, but why? And he keeps coming in like to check his sanity. And I'm like, brother, I, I don't know what to tell you, man. I mean, I'm willing to help if you want help. If you don't want help, it's okay. Right. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Like, whatever, that's, pretty, man. that's pretty funny. 
I mean, I still have my high net worth clients. I still make money. I'm still good. This yeah. is like my this my is way what, to help. What makes you feel good about you? You know exactly. Like and heck, I got I got three kids that are going to need clients later on in life. There you go. So let's build them. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, and if it works out right, I think you're going to have a whole lot of people that like like you. Yeah, I and, would hope so. Yeah, <laughs> one would hope. I do. One would hope. Yeah, one would hope. So Travis Jennings of My Debt Reduction Blueprint, we are wrapping up. Is there anything else you need to uh, talk to uh, talk to me about? Talk to the audience about? Any parting shots? Well, I know that you have a lot of. Uh a lot of entrepreneurs on this, right? And yes. a lot of really, really bright minds. And so I, I guess if it's okay with you, I'd like to maybe plug the other systems that I created that of are maybe course. a little bit more uh, business owner centric. Sure. Um, <clears throat> so I'm going to ask you a fun question, Jeff. When's okay. the last time that your accountant or CPA brought you an idea that saved you thousands of dollars in taxes? Well, I don't have one of those, but so that would be a never. That would be a never. And if you did, I would be willing to bet that your answer would be the same. All right. Okay. And it's weird. It's an odd thing because everybody believes that their accountant or their tax professional is in the business of tax reduction. Okay. But if we look at the actual steps of what happens in that industry, let's, let's just go one by one. We get our tax forms in. We walk into the office. We put them on his desk. Yep. He, takes those ta- he or she takes those tax forms, put them into your 1040, hands it back, and says, send it to the government. Send it to the IRS. I've prepared this for you. That's it. They prepared it. Right. They have recorded history. Tell me where in that process, in those steps, does it fit for them to go, oh, we should do this, 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 and this, and this to get the tax bill down. And if they did do that, how do they even charge for that? Right. They don't do that. I mean, the majority of them don't do that. I'm sure there's some that do. But the way that I like to articulate it is if you were going to build a custom house, if you were going to build your dream house, you wouldn't go to the track home builder. You'd go to the architect. You'd sit down with the architect. You would design your plan. And then you would take that plan to the builders and say, give me the best deal. Right. That's what I would do. So what the accounting industry needs really bad and what I've spent a lot of money to try to solve is they need a solution where somebody can bring their tax situation, no obligation, no cost, sit down, allow a professional to look at your tax return and tell you how much taxes you're paying that you shouldn't. And then <laughs> right. I, I think that should exist, right? Right. Oh, for sure. <laughs> so we've built that. It is it sounds like the same thing. It's my tax reduction blueprint.com. Okay. No obligation, you guys, you're welcome to go to the website, read up, uh, schedule an appointment, you jump on a screen share session, we don't see your tax return, we go through our estimator tool, ask you a couple of questions, you tell us what's on line 47, and we tell you how much taxes you're missing. Wow. That's it, man. We can design a plan for you at that point if you would like. So for example, if we saved you $20,000 in taxes... Well, if we charged you ten grand for the first year, I don't think you'd be angry with us, right? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, because you'd still make ten, and then next year you'd keep all twenty, and the next year you'd keep all twenty. Right. Wow. So, on average, we typically save business owners about twenty percent in taxes. The other very valuable thing that comes with that is, um, you know, audit risk. Depending on how you file your taxes, whether it's an S corp or LLC or C corp. 
They, those come with different audit risks that the IRS like to check on people for. And I know that's a right. big concern for business owners because they're busy running their business. Sure. So that would be another. And uh, the last one is Business Cape, which is all focused on business owners and reducing taxes. Or not, not taxes, I apologize, reducing expenses. So if anybody ever wants uh, more education, those are three sites. And we're, we're currently putting up a lot of videos and education to so people can get their education how they want when they want it. You sound like you're a busy dude. I am a busy dude, <laughs> man. <laughs> so, I live on a farm, though. I don't have the hustle and bustle. Oh, like just... <laughs> yeah. See, so whenever whenever you feel a little overwhelmed, you can just go out and hang out with the chickens. And that's it, man. The cows. And the cows. Everything <laughs> seems better in the world. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's hard to do. Hard to get back to nature when you live in Los Angeles. I bet, man. I, I see the pictures of those traffic jams and yeah, I God. decide I don't want to visit. <laughs> it's not all that bad. The weather's great. <laughs> oh, the weather is beautiful. All right, Travis, this has been a blast. I'm sorry about all the glitches. Nobody will know. Nobody will know. <laughs> Nobody will thanks, know. Just thanks you to and technology. Me. Thanks to technology. <laughs> all right, brother. You have a good one and thanks for hanging out with me. You too. Thanks, bud. All right. Thanks for taking the time to ride along with us on another episode of Vroom Vroom Veer. For podcast info and show notes, be sure to head over to vvveer.com. That's triple V-double-E-R.com. Man, that's fun to say. And we'll catch up with you next time here on Vroom Vroom Veer. Vroom Vroom Veer.